Hops and Stocks podcast is presented by 100 Spoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. Yeah, like I said, that might just look like it's fire. Oh, yeah. That's breakfast right there. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it would be good to get smacked on the beach with this. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had a beach right now. <laughs> I love beaches. Smack, smack my beach. All, all the beaches. Beach friendly. <laughs> I actually need I actually need some more beaches. <laughs> Welcome back to the Hobson Stocks Podcast. This is episode 25. We got special guest, Jarrell Bikes. Uh, the rest of the gang's here. Um, I think What's up, today- JB? What's oh, up? yeah, What's yeah. Up, man. Welcome to the podcast, man. Oh, man. Yeah, man. Welcome <laughs> to the man. show. Yes, sir. Happy New Year, man. How was your New Year? How's everything going with you? Man, everything's been smooth, man. It's been a, been a good year. Been a good... It's been like three years in one. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, so but it's been good, man. Everybody's healthy. Things are going well, man. I'm, I'm good. That's what's up, man. I see you got your sweet water there. So you ready to uh review with us? Yeah, man. Yeah. I cracked open the brew, uh sweet water 420 Imperial. Okay. Uh we can uh who wants to go first? Who wants to set it off? He he makes that call, man. I don't make the call. I think I think it's a call that's been made by the people, as Glass says. I think the people have made this call. Well, let started. me ask you. Let me ask you this, E. Is it is it time to talk about it? Man, it's time to talk about it. I think it's time right. to talk about it. Yeah, all right. Once again, we about to kick it off. Hops and stocks, episode <laughs> twenty-five, with Mister. What's in? Let me tell you what's in this can, man. <laughs> Already. Once again, let's talk about it. Talk about it, man. Today, I'm going with this arrogant bastard, L. Now, before I get into this review, I've had it before. Let me give you a little backstory on it. This is before I started my craft journey. So I was still on like the, you know, the basic three amigos, Corona, Heineken, you know, Bud. Then I got introduced to this. I had a six pack of it. I took one sip, threw it in the garbage, trash. <laughs> Gave it to one of my coworkers. His exact words was, "Man, it tastes like pig vomit, man." Oh, wow. All you know what pig vomit tastes like? I don't know, but you can imagine what it tastes like. <laughs> I always wonder that question when people say something tastes like you know whatever. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I figured I I go back to it once you know what I'm saying my my palate matured to, to see if it was still you know what I'm saying god awful. <laughs> so let me see. <laughs> Smell <all> right. <laughs> nice color. Hold on, is this yeah. the first time having it since you threw it away? Yeah. So this was like okay. probably like five years ago. All right. See that you color? It it's an L, but you know it's, it's dark in color. It don't smell bad. 
That was Uh-oh. a short sip. That was yeah. a short sip. Yeah, he didn't he didn't he didn't he didn't even really wet his whistle enough, man. <laughs> I'll tell you what's in his can, man. Is it two weeks, <laughs> two weeks in a row. Actually, it's not that bad. My my palate has changed. This is described as a it was 7.2 in the ABV. Oh, it's okay. described as a, a aggressive ale. It is. It got, <laughs> got pushed to it. it. It's all gas, no brakes, but it's dark. It's definitely strong. Uh, when I mean dark, not only in color, but this this mug is kind of evil. <laughs> kind of who? It's evil. <laughs> okay. This, this is an evil brew right here. A hundred on the IBU. Oh wow! Um, oh yeah, that's high. Yeah, that's bitter, bro. So you already know what kind of depth this beer has right here. So. It's not as bad. I could finish it now that I'm more, you know, into my journey, but I definitely couldn't buy a six pack of this. Um, on a scale to one to five, I had to give it. I mean, it's got character, so I, I give it a, I give it <laughs> a three seven five. Yeah, the can man has gone soft. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that bad. It's out of a. Uh, uh, California, uh, it's all right. Decent artwork. I mean, it looks evil. Look at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is an arrogant bastard right there. So once again, this is arrogant bastard. Seven point two on ABV, three seven five on the review. All right. Who want to go next? Blast. Oh. Let me let me ask you something about that beer though. Let me go ahead. Ask you what was in that bottle? So knowing what we know now about. Um, the other the IBU number. Mm-hmm. Would you would you buy a hundred IBU? I don't think I've ever had a hundred IBU in a in a beer before. This is my first well, this is actually my second time having this, but like I said, this isn't it isn't god awful. Because we know the higher the number, the more what hoppy, the more bitter it is. It's definitely yeah, hoppy. hoppy. Yeah. Super hoppy. It's not a bad beer. But if you're just getting into your craft journey, I would not suggest this. Right. Yeah, it's so you to, we have to work your way up to this right here because it's, it's got punch to it. I mean, it's, it's biting all the way down. That's only, only taking one sip. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, think man. I've ever heard uh, IBU and ales together. So that's kind of a first for me. I always associate IBUs with IPAs. But. Right. Yeah, that's true. I don't think I've ever seen an ale this dark, man. This is almost yeah, that, that's, a, that's a dark ale, man, for sure. Yeah. That's why I said it's evil. Breaking all the rules. All of them. <laughs> all the rules. Yeah. What's the, uh, the ticket on it? I bought this as a single. I think it was like three three and some change, maybe. I bought it as a single. I definitely wasn't going to buy no no four-pack of this. or no six-pack. <laughs> you, bought, you bought the artwork, man. <laughs> that is sweet artwork, though. Yeah, you bought that art, artwork. Nah, he bought the name. Oh, yeah, and the name. It's a catchy name. Yeah, and I mean, I can't, I can't be mad at it. Just ain't nothing you want to just, it ain't no easy reach, put it like that. <laughs> yeah. So what you talking about, Blast? All right, man, I'm going back to, uh, you know, one of the uh, podcast favorites, taking it back to Streetside. I got a joint. I, shit, I bought it for the name, too. It's called It's My Birthday Beaches. JB, you remember all that beach talk from back in the day? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Tony, Tony Burton during uh football, <laughs> yeah, like Tony Burton here, beach. Man. 
But yeah, the, uh, It's My Birthday Beaches is a milkshake IPA with coconut and pineapple. It says it's brewed to celebrate all things beaches. It's My Birthday Beaches is a tropical party and a beverage. Toasted coconut and pineapple create a tasty maelstrom that's backed by street size trademark milkshake IPA flavors. Drink this one with your pals at a beach on your birthday because that's what we all intended. Yeah, oh, can work. Uh, it's got two smacked, you probably can't see this, but it's like two smacked characters on there. Uh, uh, Seagull and some other dude is on here. They both they both were having a good time at the beach. Cat looked like Droopy. <laughs> and then, you know, my IPA, you got that nice orange color. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah that looked like this fire. Oh, let me give you the stats. Uh, 7.25 ABV. No IBU listed on this joint. Look down the hatch, man. Yeah, I got, I got that in the fridge. I like straight orange juice, man. Man. Yeah. It's Sunny D. Yeah, that's tasty, bro. Yeah, yeah it, it looks look like. One, one sip, you're, you're clearly at 4.5. You're clearly there. So it's just a matter of is it more than that or does it sit right there? So I'm going to go back in. Hard for me to go back in on my joint. <laughs> yeah, that's good, man. I, I think I think I'm gonna leave it at the 4.5, man. There's a tad bit of an aftertaste that you know may or may not be appealing to some people. It doesn't bother me, but you definitely uh get that pineapple, that citrus, a mm-hmm. little bit of the coconut too. So I'm, I mean, they they did a good job of nailing what's in this can and i mean that's what street side does man they really they really deliver a lot so it's yeah, a milk four, and a, four and a half i would definitely cop again cop a four or whatever it comes in it's a milkshake ipa yeah milkshake ipa it's one of my favorite styles yeah, right it's here. good stuff man it's you know got a little bit of creaminess to it delicious yeah like i said that might just look like it's fire oh yeah that's breakfast right there yeah yeah and i mean it would be good to get smacked on the beach with this. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I had a beach right now. <laughs> I love beaches. Smack, smack my beach. All, all the beaches. <laughs> beach friendly. <laughs> I actually need. I actually need some more beaches. More beaches. Sorry, JB. Hopefully, we're not we're not taking you down a road you don't want to be on. Oh, uh, nah, it's all good, bro. All right, it's like yeah, old times, man. I got you. All right, so I'm gonna shoot this one over to uh, my main man, BDs. What you sipping on? BDs. I ain't heard that in a long time, man. <laughs> the man with hey, many man, names, went, man. I went up uh, right. I went hometown, uh, Mount Carmel. The uh, amber ale. Yeah, this is a uh, simple, simple ale, man. The reason why I'm reviewing it, I picked it up at Meyer. Like I said, nothing, nothing really special, but um, watching the Bengals, man, and I was sipping it during the Bengals game, and we won. So I ain't drinking nothing else until, we, <laughs> until it's over. Yeah, I ain't drinking nothing else. Nothing else is hitting my palate. I'm gonna go get another six of them. <laughs> Right. But uh hey man, let me act like I didn't I haven't tasted it, but it's it's, it's a good ale. Yeah, and ale is ale is your favorite, right? Yeah, I love ale, man. Nice glass work. 
Yeah, that's good color, color, too, man. Yeah. yeah. Almost um, reddish. Well, I mean, it's called amber, so. Yeah, it's out of, um, you know, this is a Cincinnati beer. You know, like I said, not special. Uh, fresh aroma of, uh, you know, malt body. It's a nice and balanced. You're not getting nothing more than the next note. It's nice. It's a nice, solid go-to, especially since it's, uh, it's been my drink since we've been winning these games, man, since we beat up on the Titans. <laughs> Sipping on this. Tighten up. Yeah, on, first of all, when I'm not I, a Titans fan, my bad. I'm about to say, man, I got slandered for, for, for saying that. You be you be low key rooting for him, though, man. Like it's your right. Right. I do, you know but, what I mean? you, but you know, hold on, the what I was like this. Like I can see it was not where, it was wherever not. it was, man. Like your man. your real was like, oh, anybody that anybody that asked right. me said, I said, man, I'm rooting for the hometown. I'm rooting for the Bengals. That's true. You did say that on the pod. I said it on the pod. I said it to every text when people was asking me who you rooting for. I'm like, man. The Titans is like third way down. I'm like it's Eagles, Bengals, and then it would be the Titans. Did you did you cheer when the field goal went through? Nah, I let the people in front of me do all that, man. <laughs> so, you, so you was quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I let it. Well, I had my I was recording the shit. You know what I'm saying? I ain't gonna be on the on the uh, on my phone acting like a groupie. So I let all them do all the all the cheering. <laughs> You didn't want you know, that Nashville business for yeah, you. <laughs> nah, I was actually in in my section. There was. The four people in front of me was Bengals fans, and then like the section over had a lot of Bengals fans in it. They actually came came pretty deep. There was a lot of who days walking to the game. You didn't want yeah. Baby Nash ro- running up on you. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about <laughs> Baby Nash. Baby Nash is my dog, man. We didn't we didn't hit these streets together. Who the hell are you cheering for, buddy? <laughs> it's, got, it's got a nice little bite. It's uh six percent. We almost lost it. <laughs> who you rooting for, buddy? <laughs> I think it was hey, who the man. hell? Who the hell are you rooting for? <laughs> you gotta tell JB about that, man. But uh, let me finish my review, then we can talk about Baby Nash. It's six percent, six percent, and uh, I would give this the, the oh, drinkability. Baby. I like that word, drinkability. It's, it's high, um, so I'm gonna put it right at a four. You know, it, it's not it's not gonna wow you. But it's not going to disappoint. So I think that's what a four does. It's not a wow. It's not a disappointment. So Mount Carmel, you get a four. Amber L, not bad. It's a good house beer. It is. You know what I mean? And y- y'all know my issue. I got to be particular about what I drink. And this is going to do me right. <laughs> you laughing at something, Blast? <laughs> uh, I mean, just, you know, why, why do you have to be particular about what you drink? <laughs> Who, me? Yeah. For why do I have you know why I got <laughs> What did you say, Vito? Flatulent purposes. <laughs> In my older age, man. I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all can relate. I'm getting a little lactose intolerant, man. So if he I see lactose on it, he can't hold back his farts. Man. <laughs> <laughs> they, they come out like machine gun, man. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, blast. Cue up that uh, that woo <laughs> machine gun. Rap. Hey, but you know where we originally got the machine gun from? Man, when, when Blast go to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> hey man, let's keep let's keep it moving, man. Let's keep it moving. <laughs> what you want, E? Machine gun rap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got this. Uh, this is Grim. They out of um, Brooklyn, New York. 
Brooklyn. This is called Shadow Work, and it's a, a blended mixed culture, dark sour ale. It's checking in at 7%. Um, they don't got any notes on the bottle, so I looked it up on Untapped. And it says, uh, quick blurb, we blended barrel-aged sour with young brown ale in a traditional manner, and the result is a perfectly balanced, delicately, delicately tart beer with flavors of caramel, oak, dried dates, and a touch of sweetness. Um, when I taste it, it's not really tart, in my opinion. Um, and I don't like dates, so I'm not really familiar with I'm not really getting that note out of it. Um, I do get the caramel. It is kind of sweet. Uh, but like I said, it's, it's not that sour. It's not that tart. But it's a kind of underwhelming. It's not it's, it's not bad, but it's not just not fire. So this is probably one that I give a three, seven, five. Um, it just don't do a lot for me. Oh, here we go to what it looked like. It's that that dark, dark copper brown looking color. Looks like pretty good. Man. It's not bad, but it's not one I, I would have to revisit. But if somebody offered me to again, I'd drink it. Hamburger. I mean, but uh let's reintroduce our guest, Jarrell Bright. Oh. Yeah, I was gonna say you gotta throw it to JB because he's yeah, about no, nah, I, nah, I was about to say I was about to, I was about to kick it my over. Bad. My bad. Come on, Blast. Give me a second. Give me a second. So uh JB, tell us about yourself. Tell us about what you're drinking. All right, my name is Jarrell Bikes from uh Dayton, Ohio, man. Uh Trotwood, yes, specifically. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm down here in Atlanta, left left Ohio in '96 after I graduated high school. Moved down to Atlanta to go to school, Morehouse College. And uh man, I'm just here. Uh just to be here. First of all, let me let me say that. You know what I'm saying? I love what y'all doing. Hunter spoke media, yeah. fellas. I salute to y'all what y'all doing, man. It's uh I love Thank the platform you. and uh the opportunity to be able to hang out with brothers in a good atmosphere. Uh that's back. And and really kicking some things that are, are really helpful in a in a down to earth way, you know. So that's everybody can relate to, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I like what y'all doing, man. I like this movement. I'm on board. So uh anything I help, I'm definitely gonna be sharing and liking and and, and spreading the word. Appreciate, appreciate, that. appreciate that, bro. Appreciate that. Well, what you well, got in that uh, cup, man? I'm getting this can, man. I'm getting this can. <laughs> this is uh, a <laughs> uh, Sweetwater 420 Imperial IPA. Um, I just tasted this uh, a couple weeks ago. I just stumbled up on it in a variety pack. And I had an idea that they even made it here, Imperial IPA, but uh, let's go. It looked good. It's... it's uh, I like it. I'm not a I'm not a big Imperial uh IPA fan. Okay. But this this right here is pretty good. Um just because a lot of time the Imperials have that that malt like flavor, like almost like malt liquor sometimes. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, this this right here is good, man. Uh tasting a lot of pineapple and mango. Oh wow. Citrus oh, yeah. flavors. Uh, uh I would like it to be a little more carbonated. It's almost a little, little syrupy, as you can see. Can y'all see that with that background? No yeah, yeah, we're getting it. It's a little darker than most IPAs. 
That is a dark for an IPA. Yeah. 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 But uh it's good, man. Uh give it a four point four point five. Man, yeah, that's you, impressive. Can you get those at like you gotta get to a go to a specialty store or can you get it like no, running the I got this at the grocery store at Publix? I was just running to grab something for I don't remember what it was, a game or something. And it was a variety pack of uh sweet water. I think it was about 18 bucks for a 12 pack. Uh, stumbled on something good. Are you based in Atlanta? Yeah, 420 okay. is based. I mean, uh, Sweetwater is based in Atlanta. Uh, it's okay. one of the first one, first craft beers that I really experienced when I knew what craft beer was. We used to go to this brewery back in the day, uh, right after we graduated. Uh, you can go in there with a glass like this, where they give you a glass, five dollars, and that's all you can drink. So I, I didn't oh. really know what craft beer was back then. <laughs> this was early 2000s, so we was going for the for the cheap beer. Is that, but, uh, is that deal still active today? <laughs> man, I, hey, I ride by that spot, man. It's nowhere to be found. I'm about to say, they had the phones, man. That's a bad marketing plan. <laughs> it, it went out of business. Yeah, I just think they were just trying to get their name out. It was early on the craft beer scene. So um, so years later, man, that um, Sweetwater was one of the first ones that I really got into when I started getting outside of the, you know, the regular domestics when the Heineken's and Coronas and stuff. Okay. And uh so I, I'm I'm gonna let you know what they uh the notes. It said this is a craft deserves a craft class imperial treatment, a fresh take on ingredients from the original 420. This bold flavor pack, new brother, features a fresh combo of hops for added and complexity, creating flavors and aromas of mango, peach, pineapple, citrus. The result is a well-balanced Imperial IPA that is super tasty. Higher ABV book. What the can look like? Looks like. Can you see it? Uh-uh. Okay. okay. The red one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. nice. Can, can y'all see it close? It's got. Back it up a little bit. Back it up a bit. Yeah. So they, I think they standard can colors green for the basic one. For the basic one. And, um. But some or the logo is a fish. They usually have a fish on there somewhere. And everything is a uh, 420. Um, for some reason, I don't know why they uh <laughs> like like you said, you had you had the, the G13 and the uh mango kush. Uh some of them smell exactly like weed. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if y'all can see see on this can, it's got weed leaves on there. Marijuana oh, okay. leaves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but, uh, so they, they're, really, they're really about that tree life. Man. They're really about it, man. If you go to the <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the brewery, um, when they're testing their the beers that they're gonna offer, um the, the test tank is called the dank tank. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet, man. <laughs> that's sweet. Yeah. Dank tank. <laughs> that's good, man. They they hit it right on the head though. The pineapple, the mango, peach, you're getting all that. It's a good beer. I didn't care for it the first time I had it as much because I had already been drinking and I was drinking a liquor too, and it was too much for the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we can get that down here, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna definitely bring something next time I come. That's what's up. Yeah. You muted. Hey Doug, you on mute, man. My bad. My bad. I had to mute, man. The, the dog was barking, trying to get upstairs. I didn't want y'all to hear that, but I guess you heard it anyway because I had to tell you about it. 
you didn't do uh you didn't do your your stuff any justice man so i want to kind of reintroduce you and, and what you've been doing man um drill bikes again um he attended morehouse college got his ba in business and he's the owner of royal roots barbershop in east point ga man so you know big ups to that man you know being able to say that you went down there and you know started your own business we, we're proud of you um yeah, on top of that he's also uh owner of uh well yeah, which operates with his brother. He's owner of the, uh, I'm sorry, man. He's also owner of the Enclave Real Estate Solutions um, investment company. And uh, again, man, that's, you know, part of the reason why we're having you on because of these things you're doing with your, your real estate. So we want to dive right in. Um, if you can just tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, you know, with your business or with your real estate. But the most important thing that I found in your bio, man, is the, the, the community outreach that you're doing, man. And that's yeah. That's amazing, man. You know what you're doing as far as helping men and, and men's health. The the philanthropy is, is out, outstanding, man. So, you know, all the other accolades, man, that stuff just kind of stood out, man. And it kind of just warmed my heart knowing that, you know, somebody that I grew up with is, is helping, uh, helping the community so much, man. And I, I appreciate that. So, again, glad to have you on this part of the, um, the show. If you want to just kind of touch on, you know, your journey from, you know, Morehouse and you know, opening your business. Um, I'm, I'm sure the listeners would love to know. Then we'll have some more questions for you as we flow into it. Cool. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, so after graduating Morehouse, I, uh, I went into student teaching, I mean, uh, substitute teaching. And all throughout school, I mean, I know the fellas know, I don't know if you know, e, I, I started cutting hair around middle school. So... Um, Can I interject? Can I interject? Yeah. You've been the, you've been my only barber, man. You and Brodus have been the only guys that <laughs> ever cut my hair, man. <laughs> you and Brodus, Brodus Miles, big up to Brodus Miles, man. Y'all, everybody know Brodus. But, uh, Bro, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, actually, you're the last person to, to ever cut my hair because after I got to school, couldn't nobody do it how I wanted it, man. So I just want to <laughs> also give, give you those. <laughs> right. So man, now you, I cut my own. You know what I mean? And you kind of told me how to cut my own. So you, you was, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you was doing it back then. You know it was. You helped me learn how to cut a, a, that curly texture of hair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you didn't know how to get that line right. straight until you cut it down in the front. Had to cut that line down in the front. Hey, it was <laughs> it was some trial and error, man. I went home a couple couple times a little upset, man, but I came back to you. <laughs> I came back to you. Hey, Doug, I remember you let uh, – Man, let I was just about to say that, B-Dub. You nah. let Chaz cut your hair. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> Who? I, I, I guess I'll take that back. He was the last person. <laughs> I was so bad. Go ahead. Go ahead and tell your story, man. Chad, Chaz cut his hair in the dorms, man. <laughs> he, was just, he was just so salty. <laughs> but you like, kept man. you kept asking him for it, though, man. He really didn't want to cut it, man. You just kept asking. <laughs> he gave you what you wanted. <laughs> hey, I, I guess I should say you was the last person to do it right. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Jazz, man. Jack it up, man. Hey, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Nah, bro. Um, yeah, so I never had my hair cut in the barbershop either. My father cut my hair, right. uh, you know, growing up, and uh, he was giving us was even Stevens. I'm like, if this is all we getting, I think I can do that. So <laughs> the thing, I, I had a younger brother, you know what I'm saying, Jarvis with whatever, you know what I'm saying? So I started cutting his hair, started practicing on him. A couple other guys were brave enough to let me practice, so. I've been cutting since I was about 12 years old. 
and uh, cut all through high school, college, and uh, it's been it's been good to me, you know. So I didn't have a lot of broke years, like super broke years, like a lot of college students. You know, I always had a little stash. It was times when I was moving, changing from dorm to apartments or whatever. I would find a little money money that I had stashed away. So, you know, barber game has been good to me. And uh, I didn't think that I wanted to open a shop, though, because I used to be in the dorm cutting at home, cutting everybody, getting ready to go. And you would always say that. You would always say that. <laughs> I don't want to yeah. cut. <laughs> you would always say that. Yeah, man. So it's like everybody getting ready to go out and I'm still cutting. So end of the night, a lot of just taking it in, doing something different. I've been cutting till 10, 11 o'clock, you know, so. That, you know, that that was the, the journey through college. Uh, once I graduated, uh, or well, in college, I did a couple internships. Internship with NCR for two years, intern, intern with AT&T uh, another summer. And I just realized then that the corporate route wasn't, wasn't really my route. I kind of knew that, but um, I just, I was like, if I needed to, I felt like I could come back to that. Um, I knew I was going to school to be a business owner. I didn't know exactly what type of business I would own, um, but I knew that I had some skills, uh, you know, with the barbershop and I always wanted a barbershop, but I never think thought that I would be cutting in the shop. I just wanted to really just kind of own the shop, but man, it, it was good to me throughout the years. And, uh, and that substitute teaching and that wasn't the route either. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I, I, I struck out and, uh, Two years out of college, I opened a business, you know, and uh, we're going on 19 years now. And uh, the thing that's kept me in it is the opportunity, the platform that, that we provided, the opportunity to be able to touch people uh, in the community, to be able to keep the pulse on the, on the, you know, the vibe of the community and people of all walks of life. Uh, you know, in Trotwood, we come from a, from a strong community, you know, tight-knit community. And uh, that was something that I, I definitely value. It's something that's made me who I am, a big part of who I am. And uh, I was able to find that in East Point. Uh, I went to school. I mean, I, uh, I lived in right near East Point, on the line, East Point and College Park throughout college. And uh, I got into a shop. In Georgia, you don't have to have a license to get in the shop. You can get your license through apprenticeship. Walked in the shop one day, asked the guy if he was hired. I said, nah, I'm not hiring, but I know a guy who is. And he pointed me down the street. <clears throat> Just so happened, the guy was from Cleveland, old head from Cleveland. Walked me right in. Didn't want to see no work or nothing. He said, you young guy trying to opportunity, you got it. So I learned, because I didn't know the etiquette of barbershops. I'd never been in a barbershop. You know, never been in all the tools and creative cuts and all that in the city. I've never been in a barbershop. Before, so I got, you know, so I learned the barbershop, barbershop etiquette and, you know, how things flow. And uh, it was just a good vibe for me. Barbershops are like the cornerstone in a lot of communities. Like every I, I've been in shops where I've seen cats come in and not even get their hair cut. They just come in there, sit in an empty chair and they'll be in there for hours just talking about current events or whatever. They'll just be in there. So those those types of um, businesses are very important to the community, man. So right. and that and that's definitely what we've been, you know, uh, throughout the years. Um, 
man, we just lost just the other day. Actually, the funeral was yesterday. I had an old guy. He was about 75 years old. He used to just pop in, pull in, talk his trash, whether <laughs> it's politics, religion, whatever. You know, come in, pop in. Before you get a word out, he was back in the car gone. so you know and you know it's like the atmosphere that we provide at royal roots is different than anything else and that's part of the reason that we haven't uh branched out and opened more shops because it takes so much time to establish a vibe like that Uh, people can come in and feel comfortable all ages i've cut kids from one years old cutting 99 years old. So I've given first haircuts. I've given last haircuts. I've given, you know, haircuts to people who are working on new journeys in life, going to college, getting married, uh, going for job interviews or going to turn themselves in to go sit down for a while. You know what I'm saying? So it's just an opportunity to be able to touch people from all walks of life. And you never know how, how impactful words you've given or the vibe you you've given or that that uh, sense of peace you never know how it's really impacting people's lives and that's one of the things that's really kept me in the business too so long because we've dibbled and dabbled in a couple other businesses and uh, it has some success in other businesses but it's been good to me and family and I've seen uh, helped other barbers you know get their own shops and get licensed and it's just an opportunity, man, to help people and empower other people. You said uh, you said that uh, you walked in um, to an older guy's shop and he gave you a chance. Has there right. been a story like that, uh, like a Jarrell Bikes coming to your shop and you give him that chance? Man, almost every barber. So we had a few barbers who came with me from another shop all working together, but almost every barber who walked in the door, um, well, I won't say every barber, but a lot of them. I didn't feel like that they would work out, but I gave them the opportunity because I was given the opportunity. And I know, uh, you know, characters, a lot of the barbers are into a lot of shifty things, can't get a regular job because they got felonies or they got this going on or they uh, got discipline issues. They can't they can't work a regular job because they, they're not self-disciplined or whatever. So it's been an opportunity to uh Definitely let people, you know, try their hand at this game, man. So Jarv, you know, Jarv started cutting. Okay. Then- when we were originally open, the plan was to open a barbershop and a detail shop. Jarv mm-hmm. was going to run the detail shop. We didn't do our homework. Uh, the city wouldn't allow the permit. You know, we were operating in the back alley, but the city shut it down real quick. You know, that's just mm-hmm. one of the consequences of not doing your homework. Yeah. So after he bounced around a couple of jobs, he started cutting himself. He learned in the shop. Actually, we got a really my my godson is learning now. And guys chip in, help him out. You might have to put the clippers down and start working on your client to help him finish a cut, you know, because we got a guy that's in training, a, a, a apprentice in training. So yeah, I've given some opportunities. One one guy, uh man. Another guy we lost not too long ago, car accident, guy named Flip. He came in, man, I'm looking from from the looks of him, I'm like, hell no, you're not coming in here. 
<laughs> he looked like he's straight out and, and don't mind going back. But, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, man, I don't know. We'll see. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't really got room. You know, we kind of good right now. This dude hung around the shop for like three days. He would just come up there and just stay. So finally, you know, uh, he loosened up a little bit. I got to feel the vibe. And it was like, okay, you know, gave him a shot. He ended up staying for a couple of years, man, and wow. ended up working out. And I seen seen some change in him because he, he was real rough around the edges. You know what I'm saying? Real cutthroat type dude. Been through a lot. Been shot a few times. Done a couple big, you know. But once we gave him that change, I, uh, that chance, I've seen a real change in his life over the years, man. Dude got in church. Uh, he started giving back. Right before he passed, him and his wife were feeding the homeless, feeding the uh, homeless at their church on a regular basis. So, mm. you know, you never know what, what opportunities that you give to somebody. You never know what it's going to lead to. Sometimes it's not about how you start, it's how you finish, man. That's right. They be man. There, there was so many, uh, so many, so many things, man. I, I mean, first and foremost, man, when you say you've owned a business for 19 years, I mean, that's just that's just mind mind blowing. I mean, a, a young, you know, you, you're a year younger than us, and I'm just like, man, it's that that's just you know worthy of applause as, as far as I'm concerned. Because 19 years in, in one spot, that means you're like a pillar of that community. So I'm like, whatever's going on in East Point, you there. And your business is there. And I mean, you, like you said, you set a culture for your shop and for your business. And so like people know that, you know, we can go to Royal Roots and, you know, we're going to get this day after day. So, I, you know, I just applaud you on, you know, being a pillar in your community. And you talked about the young guy um, that was feeding the homeless. And I, I was looking at your impressive resume. And uh, I don't know, man, if you can just kind of talk about the mentoring programs for uh, some some of the school age uh, young men that you do and kind of take us through that. I, I think our listeners would like to hear about that. Yeah. So that we started uh, an organization called Rock Right, ROC. It's still for raising our children right. And it was hyphenated slash uh, also for restoring our communities. Uh, this was back in the day. We're not currently operating right now. We're kind of just supporting other uh, nonprofits who do the same. But uh, we used to go into the school uh, weekly, uh, elementary age, uh, and just provide character building activities, uh, help with homework. Uh, we, we, we developed a whole curriculum, kind of like uh, if y'all remember uh, Shaq and Coach Powell used to do with uh, BBI. Um, back in the day, they used to have a mentoring program back in, the, in I think, middle school. Uh, so just go in, do a little chance, character building things, uh, opportunities for them to, uh, we took them on a couple of field trips, uh, brought a couple of people in to talk to them about different topics in society and life. Uh, just really just being that male role model, that, that figure in their lives that so many people don't have. Uh, yeah. I know a lot of us on here are fortunate to have have had our fathers in our lives and they have been very instrumental. But you don't know how just your presence affects these young kids. So a lot of the the programs and curriculum that we had drawn out and intentions on doing, we couldn't even get to it because, you know, just so many of the basics were missing. You know what I'm saying? So 
opportunity to just sit in the room and talk to him or, or watch him play basketball and then just find little teachable moments in that because there was so much missing. And then we had a wide range of kids too. So uh, it took a while before we could really get into programs and, and the curriculum that, that we had drawn up. But I ran into one of the kids who first started out with us and uh, man, he flagged me down, ran up to me. And, you know, he was, he was just so thankful for that opportunity. He's in college doing his thing, running a business while in college as well. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I, we've seen that so many times, some of these kids, you don't even remember their faces, but they came back and, and stopped by the shop from time to time. Like, man, I really appreciate the time y'all took, uh, the effort y'all put in. And I, I was listening to you saying, and it's helped me in life. So uh, that, that, that right there. And, you know, we had people in our, I was like that. Although our fathers were there, you know, I can think of people like Coach Jones and uh, Coach Andrews and Buff and all them, you know, who stood or able to get to us where our parents couldn't, you know, so like that big brother uncle role. So, and that's what it was. And a good friend of mine is, uh, he's always been teaching and right in the East bounce around from a couple of schools in the area. So we were always able to get right into schools right on this tail and uh, support however we could. So whether it was a formal program or if it was like, man, I got always out today, I'm going to stop by school, just pop in on them and just hang out, talk, you see somebody acting out, you know, pull them to the side, you know, and uh, man, it, it had a big, big impact. Sometimes you don't feel like it's having an impact, but, you know, it, it, honestly it did. Man. That's, that's highly commendable, man. And, you know, speaking of father figures, Mr. Bikes, man, was – he was instrumental in, in my upbringing, man. Your dad, man, you know. Um, I mean, he was like – both your parents, kind of like godparents to me growing up, man. We used to just hang out, and uh, your dad taught me so much, and your mom did too, man. Your dad had some of the fastest hands. I mean, man. we used to shadow box, man. I'm like, I could never get – Nothing else. Want that smoke. Hands so damn fast. <laughs> nah. Hey, man. He, he told me – he told me I couldn't take no hit because I, I used to get the air knocked out of me all the time in a football because I come across that middle. Like, Bill, you can't take no hit. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it motivated me, though, man. I was like, man, I got, I got to yeah. take these hits a little better. <laughs> nah, but for real, though, man, I, I could tell, you know, how you live in this is a testament on how you were raised, man. And like I said, I, I, I love your parents. I love your family, man. And, you know, Jarvis, Jarvis. Like your brother to me too, man. So um, Likewise, bro. Yeah. Shout out to Jarvis, man. Yeah, shout out to Jarvis. And so, you know, Jarvis, according to your bio, he he's helping you with the um the real estate investment side of you know what you're doing now. Tell us a little bit about you know how you uh pivoted from the barbershop to you know real estate game. So real estate was uh always uh, interest of mine. I just really didn't know how to how to jump in it, how to uh what angle, because there's so many ways that you can get into real estate and, and profit from real estate. Um, but the transition again, so like my, like I said, my father used to cut my hair. My father worked at a GM and he also worked on cars on the side. So he was always good with his hands. And, uh, when he retired, well, even before he retired, oh, quick story. How, <laughs> how the first time I seen him start working on houses, uh, y'all remember Juwan Boom, right? Yeah. Rest oh in, yeah. Rest in peace. R.I.P. Man. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, bro. But uh, Joano was at the house, and him and my dad got the shadow boxing again. 
<laughs> and uh, Juwano wrapped him up, you know, so he, you know, he thought he was going to throw his weight around. So my father was swinging him around a little bit, and they ended up going through a wall. <laughs> big hole in, in, the, in the wall in the kitchen so I'm like man you know I, I'm not used to seeing you know this was you know not paying attention to construction and stuff like that back in the day I'm like man how are we gonna fix this big old hole in the wall <laughs> come home a couple of days later and it's fixed and you know he just figured it out never he hadn't you know done anything like that so just by him putting things and showing us along the way uh, kind of gave me the confidence about real estate in a different way. So when we opened the shop, we laid the floor down in there. We done some light construction stuff in there. And uh, I knew real estate was a, was a way that I wanted to go. Eventually, uh, jumped in the game around 2005. Uh, I listened to the podcast the other day when you're talking about you get those stated loans. Two houses on the state alone. Guy said, uh, "You need to say you need to make this for to qualify for this house." Okay, I made that. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> I made that. You, made, you made that. Wow. Yeah, I made that. Made so, that in the and then some. And then some, and you know they were doing so much funny business. He was able to give me some money back at the closing. Of course, he was right. taking some too, which I wasn't really knowing about at the time. So I bought two houses between 2005 and 2007, completely underwater. Couldn't rent them for what the what was due on the mortgage. Luckily, I was able to get that fifteen to twenty thousand off the top to kind of float that. But uh, just wasn't savvy enough. Didn't have enough insight on the game to to really make it work. And, you know, had I known what I know now, I would have been able to make it work. You know, through Airbnb, through, you know, it's all kind of ways you can, you know, make a house profit for you. But uh, took took an L on that. You know, we, we kept them and, you know, drive pretty much everything we do. We do in partnership, whether it's on paper or not, you know, we're rocking together. So, you know, we stretched that thing out as far as, as, far as we could. And uh, after a while, I had to let them go. So I had two foreclosures on my credit. Um, so it took a while before uh, I was able to jump back in. Oh, oh, let me go back. Um, so when I graduated, my parents co-signed. Well, actually, they signed and allowed me to sign on the house, the house that we lived in since Jarvis moved down here right afterwards. He went to Morris Brown, graduated in 2000. So versus buying, you know, paying for an apartment, they signed for a house. They helped us with the down payment. And uh then you know we've been it's it's our house so that kind of helped me gave me some insight onto the process of buying a house you know going through that man you know looking uh all the paperwork man i had no idea so you know that was my that was my first first experience but buying those houses in 2005 and 2007 took took a big l so um went back strong in the and uh, recently, I think we first started flipping in 2017, formed a company with my parents. My father's been doing a lot of rehab, so he's gotten, got a lot better since he's retired. And he's doing a lot of home improvement and stuff like that. So 
know what the houses were going for a few years ago in Dayton, you know, we was able to find some properties for the low, do some different programs similar to uh, lot links and things like that. Um, so we found a house for under, we were able to put about 15 into it. Hey, Jarrell, say that again. I, you kind of broke up a little bit. I know on my end you did. Yeah, how much How much did you get it for? We we paid uh, right under 10. Okay. Well, the first house, we paid about 11, about 11 or 12. And uh, we put about 10 to 15 in it, and we sold it for 50. And we did all the work, you know. So we've done four of those in the last couple of years, uh, just doing all the work ourselves. You know, I've been home a lot, man. I ain't seen you. Was that in town? So, so the first house was uh, on Nevada, up there, out of AutoZone up that way. Uh, by Corundum. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, in that area. So the first two houses were on Nevada. And um, I don't think that, that wasn't Trotwood when, when we were growing up, was it? Mm -mm. It wasn't considered Trotwood, but that's Trotwood now. So, yeah, so those first two houses we got, both at about that price, uh, ten to 12000 put about fifteen in them, sold them for about fifty. dollars uh, Next property went for sixty. We bought a house in Townview um, for about 10, put about the same in it, 10 to 15 in it. So that one for 75. So um, that was with the, uh, the company that we started that I was in partnership with my parents and uh, a friend of theirs. So when we first established the company, I knew that real estate was what I wanted to do. I want to transition from being in the shop the majority of my time and wanted real estate to be my major source of income. Uh, so I established a company on my own and I, you know, let them know that I wouldn't interfere with what they already had going on. But the length of time that it was taking to do these projects uh, just really wasn't working for the plan that I had. You know, because we're putting our hands on everything, we're doing all the work. You know, I'm coming, coming to Dayton about once a month, staying for a week. Like we, we realizing that we really could have turned these houses over in about a month had I been there. You know what I mean? But everybody has something else going on. Pop had his work, Darv had his work. You know, so uh, I started my own company and I bought a house in Townview. And again, we're putting our hands on it, but it's moving a lot faster. Um, we just recently bought one off of uh, Salem, uh, Salem and Catalpa. This one, we're definitely going to sub out. We're going to hold this one. And we're going to uh, Airbnb. It. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's been the move and that's the way I'm going. I'm looking to scale up, try to uh, form some real solid relationships with contractors and things, man, so that we can move the process along. But they really – <laughs> I never knew why they called it a gym, but now it's a gym. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I never knew. But it's definitely a gym. I just rode up Salem. I was up there last week. Rode up through Salem, man, coming through uh, Dayton View. And you see a lot of construction, all those old houses. Like, it's beautiful houses in Dayton, man. It Real, is. The architecture and everything, you know, it always kind of intriguing. That was always an area that I wanted to invest in. So, I'm looking to get in that area what in your um so when you said airbnb like on salem and catapa i'm like wait a minute what 
So right. what, re- what research have you done that's led you to, to, to bet on that area as, as far as capitalizing off of Airbnb? So just looking on Airbnb, um, I haven't done extensive research, but I know I want to hold the house, you know, because of uh, architecture and, and location where it is. Um, but I've done some research um, just looking on Airbnb and seeing what's being rented out on a regular basis. And I found that man, anywhere that there's a hotels, there's the market for Airbnb. As long as you market it right, you know what I'm saying? There's people that come to dating for a lot more than a lot of, the, you know, conventions and party life and stuff like that. You know, people coming for all types of reasons. And, um, you know, we're starting to bring some some companies back to the city and stuff like that. So man, as long as there's a, a hotel, there's a market for Airbnb. So this area is not deep into a neighborhood. It's, it's right off of Salem. It's not somewhere that uh, hopefully people are going to be throwing wild parties and stuff like that. So, hey. you know, it's... We, we, as long we, as there's <laughs> a bachelor party, as long as there's a bachelor party, there's an Airbnb somewhere. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, so you know, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna test it out that way. If not, it's always uh, definitely we'll be able to be rented for a long term rent. Man, y'all should have got me an Airbnb for my uh my bachelor party. Man, y'all slipping. We could have we could have rented it out from you. And we had hotel rooms for you. <laughs> we was on Salem, say, man. We, we, we on Salem, bro. <laughs> y'all hooked me up, but we was on Salem. <laughs> <laughs> what what's the process of Airbnb? Yana? I'm still learning. Um, I don't think it's a whole lot to it, man. You know, they, they offer insurance. It's a matter of registering and, and signing up. Uh, the process as far as managing it is, is the, the process of finding somebody to clean it and be able to turn it over fast enough. And I've been talking to some people already. We haven't even started construction on it. We're still trying to finish this one in uh, Townview. Mm-hmm. So, I got a couple cleaners in mind, ran into somebody else while I was uh, back home, uh, Tiffany Trotman's little sister. So she's doing some Airbnb cleaning, you know, so uh, that is, is, the, is the biggest part, being able to turn them over and keep them clean. And, you know, my pops will definitely manage to be around for uh, groundwork, landscaping and all that. That's a whole nother market. That's a whole nother business venture people go into you know, having their own cleaning service to yeah. go in and, and, and clean up these Airbnbs. Cause I know the one that we, you know, the one that we've, we've gotten in the past, the stringent, <laughs> the cleaning is so stringent. Like you, you, you had to clean that thing. Like you saw it or you, you paying out money. You know what I mean? You paying $200 if you don't get it clean the way they want it to be clean or whatever. Taff, so shut up. Had the, uh, man, they had the, the dancing lightly around that Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> what'd you say what'd you say jb so they had the, the tenant was responsible for the cleaning yeah so i mean the, wh- whoever the yeah we, we booked it yeah the guest was responsible for the cleaning <laughs> so um you know I luckily my homeboy my homeboy's little brother i mean I, everybody knows who they are but i ain't gonna put them out there he man he had that thing so clean the next <laughs> the next morning we was like well good looking but if you can <laughs> if you can hire if you can hire somebody to come in and do that you know, that, that kind of saves you the stress of having to do it yourself. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, most people I know that have them, they, they definitely have somebody to, to come clean them, turn them over. Um, right. Definitely keep the cameras rolling. 
Keep the cameras oh, around. No. <laughs> yeah, cam- cameras caught some stuff it wasn't supposed to catch, but you know, we got out of it. <laughs> and you, you, gotta see, find, you gotta find the routers and turn them cameras off, man. <laughs> they cannot be in the wrong room. That's what I'm saying. Not every room should be a camera. It's <laughs> the only thing about Airbnbs, man. You don't know where the camera is, man. Well, they they say they say they have to disclose it. It has to be in the front entrance so they can see parties coming in and out. That's really the only camera that's allowed. They can't have any cameras like in your in your living area or yeah bathroom. They can't have any. I mean that's elite, but they can have one on the entrance. Any exit or entrance, they can have a camera right there. Right. So the one wanna, has, has to smoke a cigarette and throwing uh, cigarette butts and stuff. I'm like, man, they trifling. And they, they, they got caught on the camera doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to back up to um, when you were talking about lot links. I got a I got a couple homeboys that came up big off of lot links. And then um, Dayton stopped it. And so that actually told me a lot. You know what I'm saying? It was like back in the day, you could get. You was get, you was able to get houses for like a couple thousand, or you can get like an right. entire lot for like under a thousand, and then Dayton stopped it. And I'm like, well, that was the, that was they 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 way of generating revenue and, and getting tax back taxes. But that told me that this land has more value, and so they're not gonna let you get it for that for that two right. thousand no more. They're gonna make you go through a different uh, process to get it. But I heard recently that they started, it's not called Lot Links, but it, I was wondering if that's what you was referencing, where they started something similar, they started it back up. No, that it wasn't. I haven't. Uh, everything we've done so far has been in Trotwood, through the city of Trotwood, and they had a similar program, but it wasn't, we weren't able to get them as cheap. There was a bidding process, uh, things like that. Um, and, and it wasn't just based on... Uh, the price that you bid, how much you bid it for. It was based on what you plan on doing with the property because they were definitely trying to bring the community back up and, and bring the value up. So if you were in for a quick flip and uh, you were up against a person who was looking for as a first-time home buyer, then their score is going to be weighted a little heavier because they're trying to build a community. Um, I never got a chance to take advantage of the Lot Links program. And uh, from my understanding, a lot of people were just buying, you know, some, a, lot of the, a lot of the dope boys and everything had, you know, extra money. So they were buying them up, but not doing anything with them. Right. So you still got the same problem that you were trying to get rid of as these abandoned properties, you know, uh, bringing down the value of the city. So I think that's why they changed that, that program, that lot links program. And also, you know, just the, the, the real estate market changed so much. The value of land going up, you know. So those deals that we were finding a couple of years ago, nowhere to be found unless you got an inside track. And that's one thing that because these houses, we were buying these houses with cash, you start getting a lot of mail, a lot of traction because you can go to the county courthouse and find who's buying houses for cash. So I start getting emails and phone calls uh, asking if I was interested in buying houses for cash. So. If y'all interested, I can I can send y'all that. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, man. definitely. Slide, slide that over. <laughs> and, and, and what we talked about last week was generational wealth. What your family, what your dad is doing with his sons, is generational wealth, man. He's sharing sure. he's sharing his knowledge and he's sharing his capital with his sons to build wealth. And I think that's a beautiful thing, man. I think that's a beautiful yeah. thing. There was another. I'm gonna share an article. Uh, I don't know if you guys 
had a chance to read about that generational wealth article that I sent you, but um, it's just not enough of, it, especially in the black community. But right. you're a prime example. Your family's a prime example of how when you put assets together and share capital, mm-hmm. you, you can make things happen, man. You can make right. things happen. Sure. I had a question about the the equity uh, stance that you had in these in these properties. So did did you go in with an idea on what type of equity position you were going to have, or were you hoping for the appreciation, or how did you make that assessment? So with the, with the initial properties, man, I was you know looking at what they were selling for. We had a good good agent in the city. Um, he was able to give let us know what what the uh, what the value would be and how, what they were selling for. He was selling in the area already. So I was just really just trying to, to gain some capital so that I can continue to invest, really looking at some apartment buildings and things like that. So um, I wasn't trying to sit on really Townview. I was Townview was way out of my mind when I first started. I didn't think the value was there. I didn't think that you could sell a house and really make some profit like that we were able to do in Townview. Uh, one good thing about, the fact that it took so long, we went into that, that first house in town you that we did um, expecting to sell for 50 because we took so long. By the time we got finished, we were able to sell it for 75. You know what I'm saying? So that it worked, worked in our favor, but I was really just trying to gain capital and to move on to bigger, bigger projects, especially um, being that, you know, it, it was so many of us in that group. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think, uh, you know, JB, I think it's about time that we wrap this episode up. But before we get out of here, man, we want to, you know, give you the opportunity to shout out your barbershop, your socials, you know, any anything you want to do, man. The floor is yours. Let let uh, our listeners know where they can reach you if they need you. What's the color of your uh, Beijing that you use and all that, man? <laughs> <laughs> hey, no Beijing. <laughs> a little frosty, man. Not not as white as you. I got a little frosty. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, IG, you can definitely uh, catch the barbershop at Royal Roots Barbershop. Um, my personal IG is J Bikes. Facebook, Jarrell Bikes. Um, Royal Roots Barbershop on Facebook as well. Uh, not a heavy on not heavy on social, but uh, looking to change that as as I scale up. So as we change, uh, kind of shift directions, man. I want to thank y'all for this platform, man, and really y'all holding it down. Y'all keep doing what y'all doing, man, because uh, this barbershop culture is changing, you know. So the pillar that we've been and the opportunity to share resources and share information and stuff that's changing it was already changing but with the pandemic it's changed so much because we've moved to um appointment only you know we're not having a lot of people sitting around i removed majority of my waiting chairs um so it's not a place to congregate as it has been in the past so these podcasts and and platforms like this man is is really kind of continuing holding that space um offering solutions offering advice offering information that normally uh conversation that we normally not have man. so yeah. appreciate y'all man and i hate i hate that we end this so soon but uh because i wanted to talk about the men's health and how you are addressing you know hypertension and diabetes so if you stick around maybe we'll do like a, just a little conversation about that and uh you know let our listeners know that they may be able to catch it on a, a different pod but um just you know yeah. how you 
how you were addressing that, man, that's that's also powerful. And that's also conversations had in the barbershop. So it's, it's sad to see that the pandemic has affected, you know, that congregation. But uh, yeah. I think I think one day we'll be back to that, man. But like you said, yeah, for sure. with that. We, we, we're working on some ideas. We got we got some ideas, man. And it's going to definitely include some podcasts and things like that, man. So you just got to got to pivot and change directions. Hey, man. Well, invite us, man. We more than more than willing to come yeah. and pop it up. For sure. Yeah. All right. Thank once you, again, man. we appreciate it. My bad. Right, once again, <laughs> once again, thanks for checking out the Hops and, Hops and Stocks podcast. This is episode twenty-five. Signing off. Presented by Hunter Spoke Media Group. We encourage our listeners to drink responsibly. Please note, we are not financial advisors. We do not offer or provide financial advice. Trademark copyrighted by Hunter Spoke Media Group.